Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. I'm Roberta Rincon, Senior Manager of Research for the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes or Spotify and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Dr. Rachel Korn, Director of Research on Organization Bias at the Center for Work-Life Law. The Center for Work-Life Law is a research and advocacy organization at UC Hastings College of the Law that seeks to advance gender and racial equity in the workplace and in higher education. Rachel is a social psychologist with a background in quantitative research methods and survey design. Her research at the center has primarily focused on studying the correlates and consequences of gender, racial, and class bias in the workplace. Rachel holds a master's degree and a PhD in social psychology from the University of Rochester. She received her bachelor's degree from Virginia Tech. Thanks for joining us today, Rachel. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here on this podcast. I would like to focus today on the impact that the coronavirus pandemic could potentially have on gender inequality in engineering. SWE and the Center for Work-Life Law have collaborated on a couple of gender bias research studies in the engineering workplace in both the U.S. and in India. Those studies highlighted the influence that bias can have on women's career advancement in engineering. However, we're now seeing a new normal emerge very rapidly due to the pandemic, with more people working from home or, in some cases, deemed essential workers and having to go into work. Schools are closed, childcare facilities are closed, and places like nursing homes and hospitals are not as easy for families of loved ones to access right now. We're reading more about the uneven burden of care as well as issues related to remote workers and social isolation. I want to explore with you how some of these issues could be impacting women in engineering, concentrating specifically on the influence of gender bias. In our research of gender bias in the engineering workplace, we focused on four bias patterns that Joan Williams, the founding director of the Center for Work-Life Law and a well-respected expert on work-family studies, has found are experienced by women, particularly in male-dominated professions. I want to start with the first bias pattern, prove it again. Could you briefly describe what the prove it again bias pattern is and how it manifests itself in the workplace? Of course. The core of prove it again bias is that women often have to provide more evidence of competence than men in order to be seen as equally capable. Women often tell us that they have to work twice as hard to get half as far. So what's behind this? Well, studies show that in jobs historically held by men, Men are presumed to be competent, while women often have to prove their competence over and over again. So men, but not women, may be given the benefit of the doubt. And women's mistakes may be remembered forever, while men's are soon forgotten. One of the most common examples of prove it again is the double standard that men are judged on their potential, while women are judged strictly on what they have already accomplished. 
In our study of over 3,000 engineers in the United States, we found that 61% of women and 68% of people of color reported having to prove themselves over and over again, compared to only 35% of white men. With the adjustments that have been made in many engineers' working environments because of this pandemic, are there new ways or possibly more drastic scenarios that could be occurring that you would categorize under prove-it-again bias that women engineers and managers should be cognizant of? So right now, we're seeing this prove-it-again pattern play out, but maybe in a slightly different way. We're hearing people feel like they have to prove themselves over all over again because they've moved to remote work. So, you know, this actually goes back to the model of the ideal worker, which is someone who's available to their job 24-7 with no outside responsibilities. But right now, a lot of employees are doing their own jobs. They're also doing all of the housework, doing their childcare workers' jobs, and also doing their children's teachers' jobs. 30 million children are out of school right now and in the United States, and childcare is also closed. So the problem is, if you're holding employees to old standards designed for a completely different situation, you're not going to have a good time. This is a great time to shift your focus, to drop your expectations about the importance of FaceTime. Think about what good work really means. It's probably more results-oriented than you were assuming before. Set clear expectations and deadlines and focus on the work getting done rather than on being in front of the computer for a certain number of hours at a certain time of the day. That's great advice. Thank you. The second pattern that I would like to explore is tightrope bias or walking the tightrope. What does this bias pattern look like and how might we be seeing it exacerbated right now? So in general, high status jobs like being an engineer are seen as requiring stereotypically masculine qualities. But women are expected to be modest and nice, and so women have to walk a tightrope between being seen as too feminine to be effective and too masculine to be likable. Women who conform to traditionally feminine roles are met with approval, but they're not seen as go-getters. On the other hand, women who don't conform to feminine scripts are respected, but they're seen as having personality problems. When that occurs, women are called out for behavior that's seen as acceptable in their male colleagues. Sometimes it's called the he's assertive, she's aggressive pattern. In our study of engineers, 45% of women and people of color reported being interrupted in meetings compared to only 16% of white men. So we've been hearing a lot lately that in Zoom meetings or other online meetings, it can be really hard for women, people of color, or introverts to get their voices heard. When you're meeting in person, sometimes you can lean forward or make a gesture or catch someone's eye and you'll get an opening in the conversation. But we don't have any of those cues in the remote world. So if you're in this situation or if you're seeing it play out that some people are dominating your meetings, you can use the chat box as a way of handling all the different voices on your team. Have your team put hand or something in the chat and call on people so that you can hear from everyone during the meeting. That way, you continue to benefit from the expertise of your entire diverse team, rather than just the extroverts or maybe the people with faster internet connections. A classic tightrope problem is large loads of office housework. That includes things like fetching documents, planning parties and conferences, cleaning up messes, both literal and figurative, and also assignments to do things like undervalued tasks rather than the career-enhancing glamour work. So, in our study of engineers, we did see this issue. 50% of women and 47% of people of color reported access to the good assignments, but that was compared to 61% of white men. 
right now, as we've been working from home for longer, managers are worrying about how to allot assignments fairly. But the first thing to do, and this holds whether we're in the office or we're working remotely, is just to keep track. Managers can keep track of who's getting the good assignments, and employees can also keep track of the assignments they're getting. One thing we're hearing is worries about um, what to do with parents. So should I be giving a big assignment to a parent right now? But there's actually an easy solution. Just ask. Say, there's a really great opportunity for you. It would be right up your alley. But if you don't have the capacity to take it on right now, let me know. These things come around. And if they have to turn it down, make sure that these things do come around and make sure that opportunities for good assignments come to them again in the future. We don't know how long we're going to be working remotely. But if you make the decisions for parents and cut them out of the good work, that's going to have an impact on their careers down the line. And if you're an employee and you have the bandwidth to take on another project, let your manager know. You can advocate for yourself to get some of that glamour work. Wonderful. Thank you. So the third bias pattern is one that affects many parents, the maternal wall bias. Can you describe how this bias typically manifests itself in the workplace? Sure. When professional women have children, they often find themselves running into a wall. Their commitment and competence are questioned and opportunities start drying up. Maternal wall is the strongest and also the most open form of gender bias. The leading study on maternal wall stereotypes found that compared to women with identical resumes but no children, mothers were 79% less likely to be hired, half as likely to be promoted, offered $11,000 less in starting salary for the same position, and held to higher performance and higher punctuality standards. Bias against mothers stems not only from assumptions about what mothers are like, but also from assumptions about how mothers should behave. So women sometimes encounter stereotypes indicating that mothers don't belong in the workplace. These statements can be hostile, like mothers belong at home, or benevolent, like I assumed she didn't want the fellowship because she just had a baby. In our study of engineers, 45% of women and 43% of people of color reported that having kids changed their colleagues' perceptions of their commitments, commitment and competence at work, compared to only 22% of white men. We're in a very challenging, very challenging time right now. Um, so at the center, what are you hearing about how the maternal wall bias may be impacting women in the workplace during this pandemic? Right now, we're seeing that the motherhood penalty is exacerbated. There's more work right now, and there's no way to get around that. Mothers who work full-time normally send their kids to school during the day, and they might have childcare help outside of that as well. We don't have any of that extra support right now. All of the work has to be done by the parents, regardless of whether or not they're working as well. And really, what's happening is that the bulk of the extra work is falling on women. 77% of mothers say that they've taken on more household work since this pandemic started. There was an article in the New York Times on May 6th, and the headline really sums up the issue, so I'll just read it. Nearly half of men say they do most of the homeschooling. 3% of women agree. And they found that among couples who are both working full-time, 64% of women say that they're most responsible for childcare. And that number rises to 70% for those with children under 12. So there's more work to be done, and women are the ones who are doing it. So for parents, and for mothers in particular, this is a really rough time. We're talking about work in this podcast, so I'm going to give some advice on how to deal with job-related issues while also managing children. 
This is a time for greater flexibility when it comes to the hours that people are working. It may be easier for parents to work early in the mornings, during nap time, or in the evenings. So encourage your team to communicate about their schedules and be flexible about meeting times. If you're holding a lot of Zoom meetings, have a policy that it's okay to be on mute or to have the camera off. So if somebody needs to put their baby down for a nap or hold their kid, they can still attend the meeting. And for parents, communication is key. Be clear about when you're available, when you have time blocked off for high concentration activities, and when you're able to take calls, but maybe you're not right at your computer. If you have the support of a spouse or maybe another family member, you can try to create a schedule with one person being on call for childcare while the other person's working. And remember, this isn't normal remote work. If something isn't working for you, whether it's at your job, with your children's school, or with the division of labor in your household, identify what you need and ask for support. Very, very true. This isn't normal remote work, so thank you for that advice. The fourth bias pattern is tug of war bias. Can you briefly describe this bias pattern for those who are unfamiliar? The tug of war occurs when gender bias against women fuels conflict among women. Studies show that women who have encountered discrimination early on in their careers often distance themselves from other women. So they may try to fit in with the boys club and sometimes they get called a queen bee. So saying the issue is just another woman with a personality problem. But what's really happening here is that the women are striving for success in an environment that's only set up for men to succeed. This pattern is less common than the other three, but it can still have a really negative impact on women when it does occur. Interestingly, we did not see the tug of war bias much in our own research among engineers. However, we are in a different world right now. How might we see the tug of war bias materialize, particularly during this challenging economic environment? So we're seeing a few different kinds of tug of war patterns right now. One thing we're hearing is that some organizations are expecting people without children to work more to make up for their colleagues with children. And I'll say this is a recipe for disaster down the line. It's going to create conflict between people with kids and people without kids. And it's also going to cause burnout for the people who are being asked to take on extra work. So this is not a good solution, especially as we're adjusting to a more long-term remote work situation. Another thing I wanna note is that everyone is having different experiences with this pandemic. I think we all have a friend who's throwing themselves into work as a coping mechanism and working much harder and being more productive than normal. But we also all have a friend who is getting way less than normal done. So you might see some conflict between people who are really pushing extra hard, who are trying to forget about what's going on in the world and people who aren't able to do that. So it's really important to take care of yourself, to do what you can, and to try to avoid comparing yourself to others right now. You know, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats right now. So if you feel irritated or resentful about how productive a colleague is, try to ask yourself whether your different productivity levels might be due to differences in your personal situations. And remember, you're not just working remotely right now. You're in your home during a crisis trying to work. Very true. You shared a number of examples of how gender bias could potentially affect women's engineering careers during and after this pandemic. Do you have any suggestions that you can share for those listening who manage people or teams to help mitigate the impact of these biases? You know, the first thing I'll say is managers can really impact the way their teams are experiencing this crisis. 
Managers can foster a sense of psychological safety throughout this time by being flexible and supportive. Right now, people need more support than usual. Just starting your normal check-ins with how are you doing and listening can go a long way. This is a time of uncertainty, but managers can provide a bit of stability by clearly communicating messages from leadership and by setting clear expectations for their teams. One thing we're hearing is that employees are feeling isolated. Of course, we're not able to socialize in the same day that we were before. We've lost that water cooler chat and the casual conversation that takes place in the halls of our offices. Talking to coworkers is a good way to feel a sense of connectedness, and it's also really good for innovation and creativity in the workplace. So managers can encourage their teams to connect in informal ways. You can use digital tools like a ded dedicated Slack channel or things like Zoom happy hours. You'll probably see a happier, more productive team if people are keeping up with each other personally. Another thing that managers should keep in mind is that work from home setups differ. If your employees weren't already working remotely, they may not have the tools they need for success. Some people are working 40 hours a week hunched over their laptop on a couch right now. So if you can, provide employees with a technology budget to buy the things they need to work. Ask your team if there's anything you can do to make their setup more conducive to working. And lastly, but most importantly, understand that different people are dealing with different issues right now. You might have single mothers, people with disabilities, people caring for elderly or sick family members, people dealing with racism, people dealing with mental health issues, people whose family members are affected by the illness or by unemployment. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to managing people during a pandemic. So remember to lead with compassion and to keep in mind that your team members might be dealing with different things than you are. We already know that supportive managers lead to better job satisfaction, better engagement, better performance, and lower turnover. So this is your opportunity to be a great manager. As you've noted, this crisis is producing a lot of stress and anxiety for many people, including many engineers listening right now. Do you have any suggestions or tips for our members to help them get through this difficult time? Of course. This is a really difficult time for everybody. And like I said before, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach that's going to work. That said, there is a lot of evidence that staying connected to family and friends can help you get through this tough time. People have a basic need to be connected to others, and that's probably exacerbated right now because we can't go out and visit our loved ones. So if you can reach out by phone, by video call, or even texting, you might feel a bit of stress relief. I know people are doing things like Netflix party where you all watch the same movie together or just having a happy hour on Zoom, anything where you can virtually hang out and be together. And the other thing I'll say is developing a routine and keeping up with healthy habits. You know how to take care of yourself. You are probably in the habit of getting up, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, and putting on clean clothes to go to work. Even if you aren't going into work right now, you might still feel better if you keep up with those habits. Our routines have been wrecked by everything that's going on, but basic things like prioritizing sleep and exercise can go a long way in keeping stress levels down. And the last thing I'll say is give yourself a break. You're living through a crisis with constant uncertainty punctuated with bad news. You aren't going to feel great every day. Don't beat yourself up for having a bad day or a bad week. But if you are having a bad day or a bad week, you might be able to reset yourself by taking a technology break, taking a long walk, or calling a friend. So those might be a few ways that you can try to manage your stress and anxiety during this difficult time. Thank you, Rachel. Um, 
Do you have any additional resources that you would like to share with our audience? Yes, we have more resources available for employees on our webpage. Just visit worklifelaw.org and you'll be able to check out our COVID information and resources. And if you want to learn more about our gender bias research, you can check out research.swe.org to find our reports on engineers in the United States and in India. Rachel, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and for providing some really valuable insight for our current and future engineers and leaders. Thank you so much for having me today. If you are interested in learning more about the gender bias research that SWE conducted with the Center for Work-Life Law, visit research.swe.org to download copies of the reports. I'm Roberto Rincon. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. <laughs>